Y Group invites all AEC industry leaders to the 2024 AEC Small Business and Entrepreneurship Forum, the premier event for small firms in the AEC sector. Experience innovative strategies and insights on May 21st, crafted by Zweig Group's industry experts. Engage in keynotes and interactive sessions focused on recruitment, retention, and business growth. Join Zweig Group for this unique networking opportunity and take your business to new heights. Secure your spot today and be part of the AEC industry's future. Visit ZweigGroup.com for more information. The Zweig Group team looks forward to welcoming you. Welcome to the Zweig Letter Podcasts, putting architectural, engineering, planning, and environmental consulting guru Mark Zweig and his team of experts straight talk in your ear. Mark has more than 30 years of experience helping AEP and environmental firms thrive, and these podcasts deliver his invaluable management, industry, client, and HR advice directly to you, free of charge. The Zweig Letter Podcasts let you develop professionally, wherever you are. Hey folks, it's Randy Wilburn. I've got something special for you today. I am sharing with you guys an hour-long session from our Becoming a Better Recruiter webinar series. This is the first of six installments in this webinar series, and we thought, what better group to share it with than our podcast listeners? So please uh, enjoy this one-hour session on recruitment and retention in the design industry, and hopefully you'll get some information that will be very helpful to you. Stay tuned to the end of this podcast, uh, and you'll hear some information about how you can sign up for this Becoming a Better Recruiter webinar series. It's not too late to be a part of it. I hope you enjoy it, and have a great day. Hey folks, good afternoon uh, to some of you. Good morning to some of you. For those of for, for those of you on the West Coast, uh, my name is Randy Wilburn. I'm the director of executive search here at Zweig Group. We are in, in sunny, or not really quite sunny, but we're in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and uh, certainly excited to be with you today for this start of this webinar series. Uh, this will be the first of six. Um, sessions that we are going to do and basically take you through a boot camp of recruitment and retention between now and November 3rd. And so I, uh, I'm honored to have uh, had a hand in putting this together, uh, even more excited to present it to you uh, personally and um, looking forward to what we get to do over the next couple of months. So uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. And I'll tell you a little bit more about this uh, program as we move through it. But um, again, welcome to Becoming a Better Recruiter. So one of the first things that I want to talk with you about, and, and just to kind of give you some preliminary understanding of how this is going to work, today is really an overview of the whole recruitment and retention process. I'm going to give you uh, an outline for what it's going to look like over the six sessions. Um, but basically, we are going to, to discuss and talk about uh, a number of different aspects of the recruitment and retention process. Um, we're going to focus first on just recruiting um, relationships and marketing. We're going to talk about how recruiting and marketing co uh, work hand in hand. Um, then we're going to talk about how you build a great place to work. What does that look like? Um, some of you may feel like you have an outstanding envir work environment, an outstanding work culture. Uh, we're certainly going to dive into that, but we're also going to give you some tips and some ways that you can improve upon what you currently have in place. Um, then the second, the next thing we're going to do is, is we're going to talk about 
the uh, KPIs or key performance indicators of a recruitment process. One of the things that I'm always amazed about is that, you know, people really don't know their numbers when it comes to recruitment and retention. And it's more than just getting on the phone and recruiting somebody or going on LinkedIn and sending somebody an email. You want to be uh, you want to have a full understanding of how long it how long a position in your firm stays open uh, when a position is filled. How long does it take to bring that person on board? How long does it take to get things started with that individual? Um, how many people are you losing on the back end in terms of people leaving through um, through through uh, whether it's through a normal um, uh, uh, leaving the company or whether they've been fired or anything along those lines, as well as um, you know what it what you normally need to grow your organization. We're going to talk about uh, those key performance indicators and how you keep track of them. Um, then we're going to talk uh, about offers. And we're going to talk about the interview process, not necessarily in that order, but we're going to spend time walking you through and discussing some of the questions you should be asking, some of the questions you shouldn't be asking. And actually, what is that one key question you should never ask a candidate in the interview process? And we'll certainly go over that. Um, and then we're going to spend some time talking about social media. And we're going to walk you through the social media aspect of, of uh, recruitment and retention, um, how you brand your company from a social media perspective to make it more attractive to other people that are outside of your firm. And then we're going to talk about uh, mobile recruiting and what that looks like. A lot of firms are not uh, don't have mobile recruiting even set up within their website. They don't have anything set up to be able to attract people that are on their phones doing um, um, looking for jobs. And so we're going to spend a lot of time going through that, diving deep in each of those areas uh, over the next six sessions. And so I'm excited um, to to really to have all of you here participating in this. The other thing I will say is that we are going to be recording these webinars. So um, I want you to, um, you know, make sure you take your time, uh, take notes, ask questions, um, you know, just take your time and, and, and take all of this in. Don't feel like you've got to get it all done in, at, at one, in one hour. Uh, you'll have a chance to come back over and watch this video again and again if you uh, would like. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll just take it from there. So you shouldn't have a, a real problem with this. And it will be something that you can share with your colleagues. Uh, it will be something that you can refer back to. And, and we may even create a podcast. Uh, of these uh, webinar sessions so that we can put on our um, Zweig Group podcast on iTunes. So, you know, we'll get the information out there. We'll make sure that we share it with everyone so that you guys are fully informed on how to improve uh, the recruitment and retention uh, issues that you may face at your current organization. So um, let's go ahead and get started. That's kind of like a, a preview of, of, of what you're going to see. And, and um, again, let's just go ahead and get started today in terms of what uh, what we're going to cover and just talk a little bit about some of the issues that we are facing here in the design industry. Becoming a better recruiter. Why uh, why are we teaching this webinar? That's the first thing that you want to um, that you want to ask yourself. I mean, the big thing is that talent acquisition and retention is one of the biggest challenges facing our industry today. Um, we talk with clients all the time that they, they that, that's all they want to know is where can we find good people? Uh, we're having a hard time finding individuals. If I could find X number 
uh, of people. I would love to um, go ahead and, and uh, bring them on board, but we are not afforded that luxury. Um, and if you hear uh, uh, sirens in the background, it's because we are uh, our, our organization is located on a busy thoroughfare here in Fayetteville, Arkansas on College Ave. For those of you that are familiar with the area. So every now and then we get the, the local fire engine or, or policeman going up and down the street. So please uh, just uh, excuse that and, and we'll move on. But uh, again, we're, we're teaching this webinar because we understand the difficulty that our industry faces in terms of hiring the best and brightest talent. Um, you know, I always tell people that there is a very finite source of people that are available in, in terms of um, educated engineers, educated architects, uh, environmental consultants, planners, uh, you name it, landscape architects. There is a very finite set of those resources that are available to firms. And so, you know, you only have one bite at the apple in most cases. And so you want to certainly put your best foot forward when it comes to trying to attract this great talent to come work at your organization. And then on top of all that, how do you keep all those really good people that you currently have engaged and employed in, at your current organization and you don't deal with the challenges that a lot of companies face because they're constantly losing good people. We wanna help you avoid some of those things and, and I hope that uh, by participating in this webinar, you'll be able to do that. Another thing is uh, I want you to understand that um, recruiting from a relational standpoint and not just a transactional one is how you should really focus on, the, on recruitment. Um, a lot of times people say, well, I just need X, I just need Y, I just want another project engineer, I just want another project architect. But the reality is, is that we're dealing with human beings here, we're dealing with people. And the, the, the quicker you understand that building relationships will go a long way to furthering the um, effectiveness of your recruitment process, uh, will the, the quicker you understand that, the better off you'll be. And so we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about the importance of relationship building, how you build those relationships, uh, why when you come in contact with individuals that work with peer firms, how you should engage them and talk with them and uh, and create rapport. It's, it's very important and sometimes it's, it's a lost art. And so I certainly want to encourage you um, to be thinking long and hard about that. And we'll spend some time discussing that. The next thing is that, you know, for a lot of firms, intentional recruiting is an afterthought. You always have to be selling the opportunity to come work at your firm, whether it's through the residual, residual material that is created on your website that comes into the whole branding aspect of things in terms of making your place a very inviting uh, place to work and by showing off the people that are already there that are happily employed at your firm and you know why, why they're excited to be there. Capturing that message and sharing that message with the world is really important and that's part of that intentionality um, that we talk about and discuss and I you know I can't encourage you more to be thinking about recruiting from a very intentional standpoint and so when you think about that you also think about just the relationship building that's that uh, is part of that um, most design firms post job openings and leave it at that it's like ah eh, you know what I, I've got some positions I've got to post some stuff on indeed uh, maybe I'll post I'll spend a little extra money and post something on LinkedIn and Man, if that were the if that were the you know the solution, then you know I would certainly be out of business. Um, Zweig would certainly not operate uh, a a very um, you know well-run executive search program. Uh, but the reality is is that it takes more than just posting an ad. 
Uh, it takes what I said before, that intentionality. It takes uh, getting out there and properly branding your organization so that people understand and know the type of firm that you are, the type of work that you do, and the type of opportunity opportunities that exist within your organization. So it's very important um, for you to, to kind of think of it from that perspective. So, you know, the other thing is, another reason why we're teaching this webinar is that a lot of firms don't know their real performance numbers when it comes to hiring. Um, that's something that we really want to do a deep dive on and really spend some time discussing the key performance indicators that help you determine whether or not your organization is healthy or whether it's sick when it comes to recruiting talent. Um, if you've got challenges in terms of, you know, taking, you know, eight to nine to ten months to bring someone on board, then maybe there's a problem there. You want to look at historical data in your organization so that you can kind of determine what, what times of year are, are better for you in terms of hiring and, and recruiting people uh, because there's definitely some information that is available, some analytical information that will kind of help you uh, have a better understanding of things. So uh, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about that. Um, internal recruiting matters as much as external recruiting. And what I simply mean by that is that you have to constantly be engaging your people that are already there. I tell clients all the time, one of the first things that you can do to make things uh, to improve upon the state of affairs is to focus on the people that you already have, to make them feel wanted, um, to make them feel valuable, to show them that, hey, there is a natural progression in their job, that there is a natural order of things and a progression within the organization. Um, if everybody in your organization sees a glass ceiling or sees that there is no real opportunity for promotion, why would they stay there in the first place? Ask yourself that question. It's very, very important uh, for you as a, as a leader in your organization to really take stock of how you're treating your, your current people and, and also understand what's important to them. One of the big things that we see um, in our industry is that there's not a lot of personal development that takes place within organizations. And, and one of the things that we see that provides an additional value point um, for your current employee is figuring out ways to develop them both professionally and personally. And we'll talk more about that. You know, firms are not willing to try new things when it comes to hiring and retaining talent. And I'm always telling clients that, you know, you've got to kind of think outside of the box. And I know that may be an overused cliche, but the bottom line is you really do have to be very, um, you, you have to really think long and hard about what you want to do. And you need, sometimes you need to try new things that maybe you've never done before. And, you know, maybe these things cost you a little extra money. Maybe they don't cost you any extra money at all. It's just the effort that's required for you to kind of step out of your comfort zone and try something new. Uh, and so that that is something that uh, that we're encouraging clients to do all the time. The you know, the, 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 the challenge with the design industry is that you have an aging leadership population. And now you have all these millennials coming into the fold in terms of the workforce for the design industry. And the two, for some reason, just cannot really communicate with each other. And we're trying to help firms bridge that gap, that generational gap that exists, because we have a ton of older owners that just don't speak the language of the new workforce that's coming in, uh, that's coming online. And so I think it's really important to figure out ways to separate yourself as a company uh, when it comes to trying to reach 
um, the, this, this next crop of engineers and architects that are coming out of school. Otherwise, these guys are going to go elsewhere. They're going to go into alternative industries. They're going to go off and start their own business. I mean, let alone the whole gig economy, right, where people are just going to go off and be freelancers and not even work for one firm. You know, if that happens for a lot of you guys that have not set yourselves up for that, for dealing with temporary employment, um, being able to hire people on a seasonal basis, which is coming, um, you know, you're going to be um, there. You know, there are going to be some challenges there. And it's going to be interesting to find out and to hear from some of you guys about some of the things that you're doing differently to attract uh, this great talent. Um, the other thing is, how do design firms recruit better? Well, again, we want to talk about recruiting relationships and marketing. A couple of years ago, it was mentioned that there is a, uh, and I'm only going to use this word one time, there is a synergy between recruiting and marketing. Uh, and the two, for whatever reason, the two areas do sync up very nicely together. Um, and when you think of marketing, you think of obviously, you know, getting a message out there um, about your firm and about your organization and what you're all about. Um, and there is a way to recruit uh, where you not only are marketing your firm from the perspective of getting new work, but you're also marketing your firm from the perspective of identifying and finding new talent. And we're going to spend a lot of time talking about that. Um, and then we're going to kind of in between those two is just the whole relationship context. What does that look like? How do you build these relationships uh, in this industry? And so um, we'll spend some time discussing that and kind of going over some of the nuances uh, of, of why relationships are so important and why you shouldn't discount, you know, that young engineer or architect that you run into at, at a public meeting. Um, and even if they do work for a, a, a competitor, why you should at least chat with them, get to know them better, because you just never know. Um, they may be knocking on your door in a few years to come work with you because they like the way that you've engaged them. So uh, we want to get people out of a one dimensional mindset and get you really to start thinking about what these relationships really mean in this in this industry, especially. One of the things that Mark Zweig has always said to me, and, and, and I love this quote, is that your job as a recruiter is not to keep bad people out, but rather to get good people coming in. Um, one of the challenges with a quote unquote HR mindset is that a lot of times from a human resource perspective, um, there is a lot of um, uh, a lot of loss mitigation going on. There are a lot of, uh, of, of a lot of um, efforts that HR people take uh, to avoid running into any legal challenges or issues. And um, one of the things that I say to all HR managers and again, please hear me very clearly. Uh, HR managers are your friends and they're my friends and, and I love talking with them. Um, some HR people deal with things from a recruitment perspective as if they are a gatekeeper of sorts. And that's kind of the wrong mentality to take when dealing with re recruitment, especially in this industry. Um, the idea is that you should really figure out a way to keep the best people coming through the doors as often as possible. Because a lot of times, if you take the other approach by being a gatekeeper of sorts, you end up losing out on some really talented people that really just don't want to put up with a whole lot of shenanigans or um, maybe a whole lot of hoops that they have to jump through just to be considered for an opportunity. And we'll spend some time talking about um, people that are looking for a job versus people that are gainfully employed and are just open to hearing about an opportunity. There is a huge difference between those two types of individuals. And we'll, and we'll dive, we'll talk more about that. 
So, you know, when you ask yourself, what is recruiting? Um, I've been struggling with a good definition of this. I mean, of course, you have Webster's definition of recruiting and, you know, there are a lot of other entities out there. But I went back and forth with Mark Zweig um, spending some time on recruiting and, and, and uh, the, the, the importance of it. And, and this is the, the um, definition that we came up with, that recruiting is getting the right people at the right time into the right role. It's an art as much as a science. And I mean, you know, I certainly I could go on and on about what is recruiting, but this is to me captures the essence of what it's all about. You're constantly looking to find the right people. It's always a timing issue when it comes to recruiting. And of course, there's always the opportunistic part of it with regard to a position being available. And then, you know, when you look at recruiting, there is a, there's a lot that you can do on a regular basis to make sure that you're recruiting properly. Um, and, and you have to be creative when it comes to recruiting and how you reach out to people. And then there are some, some truisms in recruiting that are always going to be there in terms of always staying in touch with people, reaching out to people on a regular basis, making contact, building relationships and, com and communicating with these individuals. And we're gonna, we're gonna kind of delve deeper into this, but this right here is one of the best definitions that I've seen uh, for what recruiting really is. And I would love your feedback on, on, on what you think about that. So, you know, getting back to the, the first section that we're talking about, which, which is recruiting. Recruiting is all about relationships. Uh, when you think of recruiting, it's got to be a long term process. You can't be in it for, you know, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. It doesn't work that way. You've got to think of the long term. Uh, if you think about recruiting from a long term perspective, it can pay off handsomely. Um, you have to learn to give as much as you get. Uh, that example that I gave earlier about, you know, you as a senior leader in your organization, maybe running into somebody at a, at a public meeting uh, and talking to a young engineer or architect, maybe taking them under your wing, maybe mentoring them a little bit, uh, asking them how things are going. What are some of the challenges that they're experiencing within their job? You're not stealing anybody from another firm, but you are engaging somebody at a level where there, there could be a great amount of appreciation just because you took the time to talk with that individual. And, and so that's why also, you know, I think, you know, giving as much as you get is important. Um, you, these relationships are important both internally between HR and the hiring managers, which has to be a symbiotic relationship, right? When you think of HR and hiring managers, these two have to work together uh, very well. And it, it's also a relationship externally between your firm and the available talent pool. And then also the thing that you have to remember at all times is that people want to work with people they like. If I don't like you, I'm not going to work with you. That goes for a client as well as someone that might work with me in the company. It's important. Just think of it that way. If people really like you, you know, even if there are some challenges or, or some hurdles they may have to overcome to work with you, they may they may, you know, overlook those hurdles or challenges or just jump over them and come work with you because they actually like you. And, you know, I, I'm here to say that people work with people that they like. And generally, if people are working at a place where they don't like the people that they're working with, they're usually not there for, for the long term basis. Um, and then the other thing is you want to hire for character and train for skills. Skills can be taught. People can learn. There is there's so much tutoring out there. There's so much education available. But when you find an ethical individual 
um, that's not going to stab you in the back, that's not going to lie to your face, that's going to uh, come in and give you an honest day's work each and every day. I mean, those people are like gold. You want to hire for character and train for skill. A lot of times I've, I've, I've talked to clients that have said, oh, I brought so-and-so in. They were this outstanding engineer. But, you know, this guy, he, he just could never come in on time. He, she could never do this or never do that. I mean, these are all issues that you need to be fully aware of. And so, you know, we really want to encourage firms to take the time to hire high character individuals. It will save your bacon in the, in the, in, in the future. And then we also, you also have to be thinking about this simple fact. That if things aren't working out with, with a candidate that you've brought on board, you've got to be willing to cut bait and move on. If you're not willing to cut people from the team, then you run the risk of creating a poison well situation. You know, I've learned personally that one bad apple can spoil the whole bunch. And you don't want to have to replace all your apples in a bushel. You want to, you know, if you have a bad apple, get rid of it right away and move on. There's always going to be somebody else out there that you can move into the team that will really want to be a part of what you're building. Recruiting is also selling. You know, it's kind of like boiler room, always be closing. Or was that Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, I think, ABC. Yeah, I think that's what it was. But you, you get the idea. You want to constantly be selling opportunities. Um, you have to create openings to fill, which means you have to go out there and get new work. When you get new work, you have a need. Uh, if you don't have enough people on staff, it, then you ultimately have a need to hire more people to be able to fulfill the work that you have because you don't have the capacity to fill it currently. Um, you need to create attraction-based job descriptions. No matter where you are in the country, or in the world for that matter, I understand maybe we have some people on from down under, um, so I just want to say hello to you guys down there, but regardless of where you are, I don't care where you are, these old-time old and old-style uh, job descriptions, they have to go, folks. You need to start really creating job descriptions that are attractive to the individual reading them. Think about how you would react to some of the job descriptions that you put out there. Some of you would be like, ho-hum, this is really not that engaging for me. This is not exciting for me. Well, what do you think um, the population thinks when they read your job descriptions? So one of the things that we work do with our clients is we create attractive-based job descriptions that really go into the nuances that make a place special. I'll give you a quick example and then we'll move on. But when we talk about this further uh, during this session, we'll show you some examples of what an attraction-based job description looks like. But here in Fayetteville, we're, we're ranked, uh, U.S. News and World Report gave us a ranking of um, top, top four or top five um, cities in the country. Uh, in terms of uh, just quality of life and everything. And then I guess we were also the number one most affordable city to live in. If your co company has any information like that about the location where a job is, you need to highlight that in addition to all the requirements that the job that the job um, that you that you need for this potential candidate, um, we get all of that. We know that you need a PE. We know that you need a licensed architect within CARB. We know that maybe you want someone that's a lead professional. All that's great, but you need to really think about the whole picture because that's what the candidate is looking at. They're not just looking at the job; they're looking at the total opportunity. So you want to create attraction-based job descriptions. Um, you have to have the right people meeting with candidates. This is something I can't stress enough. It's very important to put the right people in front of uh, candidates. If a hiring manager is not very strong when it comes to relating to potential employees, you need to work with them. I mean, they can learn the skills necessary to be better hiring managers. 
to, to understand the right questions to ask, to know how to treat people. Um, these things can go a long way in helping your firm. You want to consolidate your recruiting efforts with one or two people. What, this is really essential. It's something that, um, you know, that we see firms don't do. Uh, obviously, it doesn't make sense to spread it around to everyone. That's just not an efficient model. I always use the example of, you know, bringing a person in front of 12 people to interview. That's like the biggest no-no in the world. It just doesn't work. And imagine if someone did that to you, would you want to be before this star chamber-like group of people uh, being interviewed for a position? Uh, it just doesn't work. And then recruiting is a separate function that is separate and distinct from HR. And again, this is not to knock, knock my HR people, but treat the recruiting apparatus and recruiting function for what it is. It is a separate function. It's, it is um, distinct from the HR method of handling uh, business internally for the organization. The minute that you do that and you get better control of your recruiting apparatus in your organization, the better off you'll be. Doesn't mean that HR and recruiting doesn't work together. Doesn't even mean that HR doesn't even manage the recruitment process, but it's just understanding that you don't just treat recruiting as just some um, aspect of, of human resources. It's really not. It is a separate function. Um, we have a survey that we did recently. It's the 2016 Recruitment and Retention Survey um, that Zwag put out. We put a number of surveys out across the board for the design industry. Um, this is a very interesting survey, and it's very timely, especially for those that are dealing with challenges in the industry with regard to recruitment and retention. Uh, one of the statistics, and I'll share more um, throughout this uh, webinar, but one of the statistics that we found was that the majority uh, of respondents to the survey, 24% said the candidate pool was the biggest obstacle to finding qualified candidates. This is what we've been saying all day long, that finding good people is not easy. And it's really incumbent upon you to always put your best foot forward because you may only get one bite at the apple. But these statistics, as I share more with you, are kind of eye-opening for the design industry. Um, you know, this is not tech. I mean, it's not like there's a bunch of Java and Python and, you know, Ruby developers out there that you can choose from, from all over the world for that matter. You just don't have that luxury um, when you need to hire a good project engineer, site developer, uh, project architect, a landscape architect, uh, environmental planner. I mean, it just, you know, there, there's only a handful of those guys out there and you want to always be putting your best foot forward when, when doing that. Um, the other aspect that we're going to talk about, and, and it's, I think it's really important, is, is making your firm a great place to work. Um, through this session that we're going to spend time on uh, when we do the webinar, uh, we're going to go deep on what your firm is doing currently, things that could be improved upon, some best practices that we've seen in the design industry in terms of how firms have set themselves apart from everybody else. Uh, we're going to walk you through ways to improve the, this, the workflow, the work environment. Um, we're going to talk about things like remote work. We're going to discuss uh, issues like personal and professional development and how you can improve and some simple improvements and hacks in those areas can really make your place uh, a very inviting place to work. A great place to work is a place where the owners and managers are committed to growing. Right. I mean, they want to I mean people want to work with people that are successful and that are committed to being successful for the long term. A great place to work is not a place where people are obsessed with maintaining control over everything. I don't know about you, but I hate micromanagement. 
Um, I don't do it with my team, and I certainly uh, encourage other companies and other firms and other hiring managers and, and individuals to not do it with the people that they're working with. It doesn't pay off in the long run. And you know, a great place to work is not a place that just focuses on pay and benefits. I wish it were just all about the money. Sometimes, every now and then, you run across that with a candidate, but more often than not, it's the totality of the opportunity that a candidate is looking at. And so um, a great place to work is more than just how much you're going to pay somebody at the end of the day and you know how many weeks off of vacation that they're going to get. Those things do matter, but there are so many other things that you have to think about. A great place to work offers tremendous opportunities to all of its staff meaning that it's just not the guys in the corner office that are getting all the benefits and all the bonuses, but that things are being shared across the board. Because then that, when you create a much more positive work environment that way, everybody buys in and drinks the Kool-Aid, if you will, of your organization and why everybody needs people to make a sacrifice and to go hard so that you can achieve the objectives that you've laid out for the, organ for the company. Um, it, a great place to work is a place uh, with great pay and benefits and the ability to recognize and reward excellence even before an annual annual review happens. Uh, one of the things that we do here even at Zwy Group is that you know we, we don't wait till December um, to to give somebody a review and just tell them, hey, you, you're doing great. Here's your one and a half or two or three percent increase in salary. We give people spot increases in salary on a regular basis. And we've encouraged other clients to do so. We, we've met with a lot of companies that we've um, got to see our position from this standpoint. And so I think it's very important to kind of take stock of how you reward your people. And if everybody's waiting till December um, to be told at a boy or at a girl, especially after maybe they brought in some serious work in February, and now they've got to wait 10 months to be told that, that's not really a good practice. And so we're gonna walk you through thinking thinking that through and maybe figuring out a way that you can change that, even if it's just something that you do on a quarterly basis. As I said here at Zweig, you know, there is no rhyme or reason. I don't have a calendar that I follow in terms of when I give somebody a, a pay raise. Um, it's just based on how, how people are performing and the impact that they're making to the bottom line of this organization. And also just the, the quality individual that they are. All of that plays into when someone gets a, a, a pay increase uh, here, uh, as well as in several other firms that we've run across that are doing that and are not waiting to December to give somebody that, uh, that, that quote unquote salary increase. Just something to think about. You know, close to two thirds of firms surveyed, 65%, give raises through a formal salary wage review process. And this statistic from this survey basically tells us that two thirds of you guys out there follow that standard format of giving um, salary, giving um, salary wage reviews, you know, once a year annually. And so, um, you know, we have the statistics to back up what we're talking about. Um, but what we're saying is that sometimes you have to think outside of the box and try some different things. And um, that may be something that uh, that you that you think about um, changing within your organization. And we'll give you more of the tools to work with when it comes to that uh, when we discuss, um, you know, making your firm a great place to work. Uh, almost two-thirds of the firm, 65%, uh, offer referral bonuses. Now, the caveat here is that Mark Zweig is not a huge fan of these. Uh, I mean, Mark's been in this industry for over 35 years. He cut his teeth 
um, in the recruitment related field in the design industry when he got out, when he, once he had received his MBA. Uh, and he has had a lot of experience in this area and historically um, make giving referral bonuses within an organization has not always been a good thing. And there are a number of reasons why, and we'll go into them in depth uh, on, on the, uh, when we discuss making your firm a great place to work on the seminar. Three quarters of firms, 75% offer tuition and fee re reimbursement. Um, this is something that I, I do want to spend some time on. I won't, I won't do it today, but when we talk about making a firm a great place to work, one of the things that we're going to talk about is how you retain good people. And one way to retain good people is to create some alternative benefits for them, like possibly paying um, a, uh, an employee's student loans. The average student loan balance in this country is $35,000. That is a lot of money. For a lot of students, and some of you maybe even watching this right now, you may have a up to six figures or more of student loans and I understand that it, it's, it's expensive and it costs money to go to school and so you know we've got some unique ideas and thoughts and there are some new practices lately that have been taking place in major fortune 500 firms where they are actively maintaining and retaining good talent by offering to pay a portion or all of their student loans and so it's an it's an exciting topic it's a great benefit and it's something that is a way to build a loyal um, uh, employment base. And so we'll, we'll talk more about that um, during that, that, that particular webinar. So the, the next section that we're going to talk about is, you know, knowing your numbers in terms of recruiting KPIs. And I would love to get deep into this because I love analytics. Um, it's just something that I really get excited about because, again, the numbers really never lie. I know it's a show on um, uh, uh, ESPN or whatever, but the, the numbers really don't lie. Uh, when you look at recruiting numbers and, and how long it takes for you to, uh, to to find an individual, how long it takes for you to hire them, and how long it takes for them to, to accept and join your company. All of this information or numbers you need to know off the top of your head. You need to know what the cost per hire is um, to acquire each and every individual that you acquire. And you also need to figure out and come up with a way to determine what is the opportunity cost per hire so that if you don't get if you don't hire a particular individual how much does your company actually lose and i know a lot of you saying well randy how can you quite figure that out you know i don't know that there is an equation out there to do that well we've attempted and come up with some ways rudimentary ways for you to figure out whether or not um you are um you are on point with regard to uh you know the the um the offer that you make and um, whether it's it's going to work out for for your candidate. So I mean that's something that we're you know we're certainly going to spend time on, and we're going to make sure that your cost per hire is in line with your organization's requirements. Um, and we you know we'll show you ways to bring that cost per hire down much lower than maybe where it is right now. So knowing your numbers is important. You know there's a quote that came up, and I think Einstein said this, but if you don't measure what you do, how do you know if it's working? You have to measure the success of your recruitment efforts within your organization. If you don't do that, you really run the risk of flying blindly. And I can't tell you how dangerous that is. A good recruitment program keeps track of all the statistics related to talent acquisition and analytics. How many candidates do we have on every job opening? How long does it take to fill a position in days? Uh, what is our cost for advertising online newspaper? Uh, what is our cost for employment fees? All of these are, are numbers that you need to know. 
And then just to kind of do go back at your office, and I'll just leave this up there for a second, but just in terms of a simple cost per hire, the equation looks as, as such. You have external costs, which if you use an outside recruiter um, to work on your behalf to find individuals, those would be costs that are factored in there. Uh, you've got internal costs, which may be traveling back and forth um, to go to a, um, a, a, an, a an event where you market your firm to uh, young people coming out of college, uh, whether it's a career fair or something like that. Uh, all of these costs need to be factored in to figuring out how much it really costs you to acquire each and every individual that you bring on board. And all of that is a collective approach. Now you can do it two ways. You can do it where you focus just on your internal costs, where you don't include external cost of hiring an external recruiter in terms of what your cost per hire is um, based on the total number of people that you hired in a, in a determined time period. But then you can also do the, the totality of it in terms of people that you, you, uh, you hire to bring on new people and then people that you hire on your own. Uh, and when you add all of that up and then you divide it by the number of people that you hire in a period of time, you can determine what your actual cost per hire is. These numbers are very, very important and we're gonna help you um, become better at um, getting those numbers and understanding what they mean. Now, the next section is, is one of my favorite topics to discuss as well, which is successful interviews and great offers. And at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's fine if you are able to go out and find good people, but if you can't close the deal, then it's all for naught. And I really want to make sure that we take time to encourage you to uh, take a close look at your interview process. Um, maybe it needs to be fixed. Maybe it needs to be totally overhauled. If that's you, then this session is really going to help you to kind of fine tune things and really take stock of what you're doing and maybe how you can improve the situation. The other thing is that are you making the best offers possible? Um, are your offers competitive with the offers that are going out by some of your peers? Um, are you really, you know, taking the time to, you know, have the counteroffer discussion with the candidate? Um, I can't tell you how big of an issue it is nowadays that firms don't want to be caught blindsided when someone comes to them and turns in their two-week notice. That's why people are pretty much doing whatever it takes to keep employees on board, even if in the back of their minds they're going to ultimately get rid of that person some way down, somewhere down the line because a, a level of trust has been broken. Some loyalty uh, has eroded uh, with that particular employee because they have uh, forced their employer's hand and now they have made a count, given them a counter offer to match an offer that they've gotten from another firm down the street. So it's really important to make sure that you set yourself up for success in this area. And we'll kind of talk about um, counteroffer scripts and what they look like and, and how you make sure you talk to each and every candidate that you recruit on behalf of your organization and that you have this conversation with it. Don't leave it to chance. Don't just hope that, oh, well, I sold them on or we sold them on this opportunity here. And they, they I don't know how they could even consider staying at their current firm. Uh, I can't tell you how often you know, we become very quickly disappointed by the results that we get when people come up and call us and say, hey, you really made a great offer to me. Thank you so much. I've actually decided to stay with my current employer. It happens all the time. And we're going to help you avoid that issue coming up. We're going to walk you through 
the process of how to make sure you engage an individual from that perspective. So that is a that that one hour session is really going to be jam packed with great information. And, you know, just to give you a, a further glance into that particular session, you know, um, Here's one statistic that stands out. 47% of the firms that we surveyed for this um, recruitment and retention survey say that it takes 30 to 60 days on average to hire a candidate after making them an offer. Um, very important information, again, that goes into those analytics that we talked about earlier. You need to know this information. But here are a couple of questions not to ask during the interview process. Um, what's your background? What's your biggest weakness? What's your salary history? Do you think you could handle this workload? If I offered you the job, would you accept it? And why do you want to leave your present firm? Now, that last one is one of my favorite questions asked because a lot of companies ask this particular question. And it's one of the first things that comes out of a client's mouth. And I'm always cringing when I hear about this because the reality is, is that it's one of the worst questions that you can ask. And we'll go into great detail um, during this session to kind of show you why that's not a good question to ask a potential person that you want to hire on your team. Um, and, and, you know, I know a lot of you are sitting there, well, Randy, we want to know now. And, and, you know, I can't, I can't just reveal everything to you right away. But the bottom line is obviously we really want you to participate in all these webinars. Um, and did I mention, by the way, as a side note, you get continuing education credit for each seminar that you participate in. So you can get up to six CEUs for, um, for participating in this Becoming a Better Recruiter webinar series. So I really want to encourage you to be on for each and every one of these and tell your friends about it. Those that you know within your organization that could benefit from this, as well as any, any of your peers that you know outside of the organization, this program will really help you out. But we'll go into depth as to why asking the question, why do you want to leave your present firm isn't the good question to ask. It will give you some better questions to ask uh, potential candidates that you want to hire. Um, some illegal questions not to ask during the interview process. Of course, we want to look at it, and I, and I know HR people will appreciate this. We want to make sure that any of the hiring managers that are tasked with talking to potential employees are, not, are asking the right questions, not asking the wrong questions, and are certainly not asking illegal questions. So a couple of illegal questions that I can think of are what, are your, what is your religious affiliation? Are you pregnant? What is your political affiliation? What is your race, color, or ethnicity? How old are you? Are you disabled? Are you married? Do you have children or plan to? Are you in debt? Do you socially drink or smoke? I mean, these are some of the biggest no-no questions that you could ever ask. Uh, in an interview process. And we certainly want to encourage you not to be asking these questions. Finally, we're going to spend some time going over social media and mobile recruiting. Um, every one of you has a cell phone. Every one of you has a, I would hope, has a smartphone unless a smartphone unless you have something like a jitterbug or something like that, which is one of those older phones with the big keys. I mean, my mother has one of those. And if you do have one, I'm not joking on you. It's just it's, I'm, I'm kind of being facetious. The bottom line is um, smartphones are the future. Um, more and more people are interacting with companies and interacting with individuals from their smartphone than they are. At, at their desktop at home or at their desktop on their job. You have to understand that the smartphone is the wave of the future when it comes to interacting with people. 
People want to find out about jobs. I want to be able to apply for jobs right on their phone. People are doing it now, but they're only doing it on websites that allow them to. Most of you guys and a lot of the people in the design industry that have websites that have job postings don't have mobile friendly postings. And we're going to talk a lot about how you improve in that area and how you make um, your job postings mobile friendly and how you create portals that individuals can go to so that if they see a job that's really interests them at your firm and organization, they can then go ahead and take um, their mobile phone and apply for the job right then and there. Why Why wait till you get home? Why wait till you get back to your job to apply for another job? You can do it right there on your lunch break. And if you're a firm that is forward thinking in this area, you will uh, adopt some of the changes that we're going to discuss because it will you, it will be a huge benefit to you. And then on the other side of it is the social media piece that we're gonna, certainly going to talk about. And I, I can't tell you, I always laugh when people say, yeah, we're on social media. And then I look at their Twitter account and the last posting was from 2013. That's hilarious, folks. This is 2016. Folks are so engaged now, especially this young millennial group, that you are so far behind the eight ball when you are not having dialogue with people through social media from your company. Uh, we do it here at Zweig. Uh, we talk to people through Twitter, through Facebook, um, through our website, of course. But just having a website is not enough. And we're going to talk about why and how you can leverage yourself from a recruitment and retention standpoint on all of these different portals that are out there. Now look at this statistic. Actually, I'll share that with you in a second. Um, using social media and mobile access to your firm before and after the hire. Uh, we'll talk about that. We'll, we'll, we'll show you how you can use social media to share jobs, to engage potential candidates. 74%, 74% of all internet users have at least one active social media account, be it Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Google Plus, YouTube, you name it, 74% of all internet users have at least one active social media account. We will show you how to export your firm's culture via social media. I think this is an, another important webinar because it kind of gets you to kind of think about things differently and also look at it from the perspective of what other industries are doing when it comes to leveraging social media uh, and mobile recruiting. This is the, the statistic that I was going to bring up. Um, LinkedIn is the most popular recruiting site with 71% of respondents in the design industry that were responded to our 2016 recruitment and retention survey that reported that they use LinkedIn. 71%, seven out of 10 people are using LinkedIn. And again, do you have a presence on LinkedIn? What does it look like? What kind of uh, conversation are you having on LinkedIn? These are all important questions that we're going to ask and that we're going to go over. And I'm going to give you some homework, some work to do to kind of think about this process and what you need to do back at your office. So each time we do a webinar, uh, we're going to do some things that you can take back to your office to work on and to do. And certainly we'll be able to take this conversation offline. You can you'll I'll, you'll have our contact information, but we're also going to create a larger conversation in this in, in this um, for everybody that participates online. So, we're, you know, again, the hashtag that you're going to use is hashtag BBR webinar 
and the hashtag Zweig Group. Um, using those together will be great, but if, no, if you use nothing else, use BBR webinar as a hashtag when um, sending out questions, and we will certainly um, discuss and, ha and create some dialogue around some of the issues that even some of you guys are dealing with, because we want to make sure that everybody walks away uh, on November 3rd with some really actionable information. Actually, by November 3rd, because of the way that we stagger this webinar series, um, you will probably have implemented some of the things that we told you early on in webinars numbers two and three and four. So that by the time you get to webinar six and we're discussing social media, everything else will be in place and you'll be able to take this aspect of it and fine tune it. And it'll be a great way for you to finish out 2016 before you get ready for 2017. Um, it, it's, it's just really, really important. Now, um, as I promised, I was going to finish as, as, as early as I could so that we could have some Q&A. I know there may be some questions that, uh, that, that some of you have uh, about this process. If we don't get to your question now, please make sure you send it to me. I'll, I'll, I, I, will, I will give you my email at the end, uh, and we will certainly discuss that matter. Um, uh, the, what somebody asked about the certificate. Um, for this this program and it will be available under event resources in the menu on the left there is a menu on the left in terms of it says event resources you will be able to um, um, get the certificate for participating in this event now we've got one question um, let's see hiring managers versus recruiters please explain um, I'm a recruiter that's what I do I work with firms that have hiring managers. Um, those hiring managers work directly with the candidate. They will interview them. We interview them as recruiters, but the hiring manager of a company will also interview the individual. We'll talk with them. And, and as recruiters, as an external recruiter, we, we are kind of like that first line um, and we, we vet them, we take them through the process, we ask a lot of questions, we may check references, then we turn them over to a hiring manager, and that hiring manager is the one that goes ahead and, uh, and actually meets with them internally, uh, introduces them to the, to the company from their perspective, and then really determines if they're going to be a fit um, for the position that's open. So that's kind of the difference between a recruiter and a hiring manager. A good hiring manager is, in a sense, a recruiter of sorts, but uh, especially if a firm is using external recruiters, they're really two separate functions. Um, and who can be a hiring manager? I think anybody that the firm entrusts with that responsibility and opportunity. And that's actually a good question about who can be a hiring manager. Um, People that are sure of themselves, that are very comfortable in the process of engaging with people, uh, not someone that talks like this and doesn't look at you and is not really engaging. I mean, you just don't want that person in front of um, potential candidates that you want to hire. Remember what I said, there is a very finite pool of people out there. A lot of times you only get one bite at the apple. Put your best foot forward and put the best hiring managers in front of these individuals. If you have hiring managers currently that just are not good at recruiting when it comes to engaging the candidate, we can help them out with that. Um, we can give you some tips, some tricks, some tools with which to improve upon that. But a lot of it is just being able to communicate effectively. And there are a lot of ways 
um, uh, that you can that you there are a lot of things that you can do to improve uh, from that perspective. And I don't believe anyone is stuck as far as that's concerned, unless you just don't like people or you just don't like talking. Uh, and if that's the case, then 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 being a hiring manager could potentially be a problem. Uh, if you are a what I call a subject matter or discipline expert, but you're not necessarily a really good hiring manager, you may need to team up with someone that can really communicate well. Uh, and 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 then you will um, you will vet that person from a discipline standpoint and have the other one engage them from a more social um, position. Um, what can be done to improve or enlarge the talent pool? Um, you have to cast a wider net. That's an easy question. I mean, you, you have to cast as wide a net as possible. And for some of you that are out there that are saying, look, an individual, these people, they don't, we have to find local people because if they don't understand our area, then, you know, they'll never be able to, they won't be able to do the job. I understand that that may be true in some instances, but in a lot of others, we're finding clients that are, re, we're relocating people from halfway across the country for opportunities. So don't rule out relocation. Uh, as a possibility. And we'll talk a little bit about that and how you set up a good relocation program. But it's really not that difficult. But um, nowadays, um, it's just part of part of part of the, the cost of doing business. And that relocation expense is part of that cost per hire. Um, another question that somebody's asking, and I keep looking to my left because the questions are being posted, how can I teach all hiring managers to sell the firm better? Well, that's a good question. There are a number of things. You could hire us, of course, and we can help those guys become super sellers. Uh, and show them how to um, uh, always be closing the opportunity. Um, you can, you know, kind of walk them through uh, how they, you know, look at, first of all, you'd want to look at the process that you currently are operating in, what you're currently doing um, as hiring managers, what, what are the pain points that your hiring managers are currently dealing with, and what are some of the limitations that you guys find. And then from there, um, we would go ahead and kind of create a system or a program that they could follow. Something should be scripted, something should not be, right? Because, um, you know, candidates need to understand, they need to really hear from you directly. They don't need to hear a script the whole time, but there are some things like a counteroffer script um, that we could set you up with to help you follow that to make sure that your, that your people are constantly doing, a, following a certain process when it comes to um, to, to interviewing and engaging potential candidates. Uh, any advice for job seekers? Does Zweig have resources to help an ordinary engineer looking uh, to work for a firm with good character? Um, absolutely. We actually have a program um, that is coming online in the very near future that we will make available. Uh, in the meantime, if you'd, if you'd like to share your resume with us, we would be more than happy um, to look at opportunities that might be available uh, to you and, and certainly discuss that. Um, I, and, and, you know, again, it's, it's um, you know, there are ways to set yourself apart from the rest of the competition out there and make yourself attractive to firms. And I can certainly help you with that information. Uh, my information we'll share at the end of this uh, webinar and you can grab that and just reach out to me and we can talk offline. Uh, another question came in from um, uh, Nicholas. Uh, do you have any advice for job seekers? Does why? Oh, that was the question. Okay, so um, okay, so that was great. So Nicholas, yeah, reach out to me at the end, and uh, and we'll certainly talk. Uh, are there any interview or tips or tricks that seem more successful? Um, I think in terms of interview tips and tricks, I think it's it's really you know 
trying to engage a candidate where they are and not necessarily try to do too much in the interview process. Again, I can't tell you, I'm, I'm gonna share when we do that section, I'm gonna share with you some of the pitfalls that we've run into and some of the mistakes that a lot of companies make. Um, but yes, there, there are, I mean, just a, a simple tip with regard to the interview process is to be, to be ever present in the interview. I can't tell you how often we've heard from candidates uh, with the simple fact that, yeah, I met with the hiring manager, but it seems like they were here, there, and everywhere. They were, they, were, they were talking to me, but they were also putting out a fire and they were doing something else. When you meet with a potential candidate, a potential employee, someone that's going to either work for you or work for your firm, you need to be present 100%. If you can't be, you need to reschedule your appointment. The other tip that I would give is that when you are presented with a, a, a candidate that looks really good, don't delay getting in front of them. A lot of times we tell our hiring, we tell the hiring managers that we deal with that, look, I've got a great individual you need to talk to. We've already pre-vetted them. They are, they fit the culture of your organization based on our uh, synopsis and understanding of this person. You need to get on the phone with this person and have a conversation. Don't be afraid to have a conversation with an individual, even if you don't have a full resume in front of you. Maybe you just have a profile of the person. Maybe you've just looked at their LinkedIn profile. Just think about some of the specific questions that you would ask a candidate and just have a conversation. You don't need to go through this whole process of, I gotta have eight sheets of paper in front of me before I interview somebody. That's a, that's a load of malarkey. It doesn't, I don't know why I use that word, but anyway, that's a load of, load of crap. You don't need eight, you don't need a, a, a resume and all this project information for you to have a simple conversation with a candidate. And in a lot of instances, Sometimes that simple conversation will tell you right away whether that's someone that you want to physically bring into your office. And so that's one tip right there. Have a conversation. Don't be afraid to have a conversation with somebody without the full onset or complement of information at your disposal. Uh, with LinkedIn, I mean, for most of us out there, we're all on LinkedIn and, and, and with websites and Google being what it is, you can do some basic due diligence if you're not working with a recruiter and you're doing it on your own just to get some basic information. Then have a conversation with them. Don't make them go through hoops and send in a resume and all this other stuff. Time is running short, so I only have like one minute left. Does anybody else have uh, any questions? Somebody asked, where do we go to find the recording of this webinar? I believe that uh, you'll be able to get, I think a recording of the webinar will be sent automatically to everyone uh, because we have all of your contact information. Uh, and then you, the login that you use to log into this, you'll be able to log back into this and see the, the, the recording of the webinar. And fingers crossed, we're hoping that we didn't have any latency issues with um, um, the, 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 the streaming and everything. And so hopefully it works out. I'm also gonna put this out on a podcast. Uh, you can get our podcast on iTunes and um, get uh, additional information um, about Zwei Group and what we're all about. So thank you guys so much for indulging me for this last hour. I appreciate it. The second of six webinars that we're doing uh, in this series uh, will be recruitment, relationships, and marketing. Thanks so much again for participating if you did today. And if you're just listening to this for the first time on podcast, thanks for joining us. Remember, you can get all your information uh, for the design industry at the, the Zweig letter. And I really want to encourage you guys to, um, to reach out to us at any point in time if you have any questions. And certainly, I would appreciate it if you could give us a rating on iTunes. 
Um, if you feel led to do that, please do so. We, we would uh, really appreciate it. Um, your thoughts and feedback are very important to us. Have a great day. Thanks for tuning in to this Swag Letter Podcast. We hope that you can apply Mark's no-holds-barred advice to your daily professional life. For a free transcript of this or any episode of our podcast, please visit info.zwiggroup.com slash podcast. If you want more wisdom and inspiration, in addition to information about finance, HR, and marketing your firm, subscribe to the print or digital version of the Zweig Letter online at zweiggroup.com slash publications. Thank you.